Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Kayla McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome into the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Caleb McCall. Man, am I excited about today. I have a good friend of mine, uh, a voice to the body of Christ who I really respect and honor. Pastor Alan Jackson is with us today, and we're going to be talking on a few topics and tackling a few things and talking recovery in the church and a whole whole slew of topics. But welcome on, Pastor Alan. I appreciate you so much for coming on and being here with us today. Well, thank you, Caleb. It's always good to have some time with you. I appreciate your ministry and your life and your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Pastor Allen, for the maybe small crowd of folks who don't know you or maybe have never heard of you or heard of your ministry, your incredible church there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, World Outreach Church, um, would you mind to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, You know how you got started or how you got started in ministry or testimony, anything you, you feel led to share with our listeners today? Absolutely. I'm one of those strange animals. I've served the same congregation. Uh, my entire life, my entire ministry wow. life. Wow, that's incredible. Church was birthed on Easter Sunday, 1980. Wow. And I have been a part of this initiative since then. There were 29 people that first Sunday. Wow. And um, God has been very kind, gracious to us. Uh, we have benefited. The whole region has grown and flourished. And so the church has grown and flourished along with that. But uh, God just keeps putting new opportunities in front of us. And inviting us to, to, you know, I found that if we grow on the inside, the ministry around us grows. Amen. And we see that continuing until today. So, you know, my family became Christians. We went to church every Sunday, but we weren't Christians. Mm. And when I was seven years old, my mother gave birth to my youngest brother. I have two brothers. And the doctors told her that she had cancer and she she wouldn't live more than six months. Wow. And so my parents were going to the hospital for radical surgery. And my mom prayed a little prayer that if there was a God, because she said she wasn't sure there was, Mm. before she died, she could know the truth so she could tell her sons whatever that truth was, to be Jewish or Baptist or Catholic. Mm. And they went to Mayo Clinic. And the doctors came in a room late one night after they'd done all the examinations and workups. And they said, Mrs. Jackson, we don't have an explanation, but all those tumors and masses that were in the films and the tests you brought us, we can't find them. Wow. Go home and raise your babies. Wow. And my mom is still alive. Wow. Wow. So I came into faith through God doing something that we couldn't do on our own. And he did it for us when we were pagans. It wasn't because we were people of faith. Wow. And so really the, the heart of the church has always been this notion that God can. And you can fill in the blank after the can. Yes. That yeah. God helps broken people when we're in a desperate enough place to cry out for help. And so that's been the message of the church in my life and ministry uh, since I was a boy, honestly, and it's continued right through the formal life of the congregation here. Wow. Wow. That's so incredible. Powerful, powerful testimony. I don't know that I've ever heard you share that testimony. So that's a, a first for me as well. That is, is, is absolutely powerful. So when this happened, because this was your younger brother. So how old were you when this happened and took place? I was uh, I was just eight years old. Eight years old. That happened. And now I'm well into my 30s. So it's been a while. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, and so, so this, so you're eight years old at this point. And so now your mom has this radical encounter with God. And so she is now raising 
your family in this type of atmosphere. And so you grew up, you know, from eight years old on, and not that you've been perfect or something, but you've served God pretty much your entire life, correct? Yeah, I, I was in a Christian home. I had that privilege. I mean, my parents changed so much that I walked in the kitchen one day. Although there's really a piece before that. My mom was mm-hmm. washing dishes. And she said she heard a voice say, you wanted, you asked to know the truth. Mm. And she said, yes, I did. And the voice said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. My mom went and found her Bible and looked that up in the Gospel of John. Wow. And she and my dad accepted Jesus as Lord of their lives. Mm. And the temperature in our house went down about Mm -hmm. 40 degrees. And I walked in the kitchen and said, what has happened to you? You're different. Wow. And they told me, so I knelt in the kitchen floor at 4811 Jackson Street in Hollywood, Florida. Wow. And asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. By then I was nine. Oh, my goodness. And so I had a privilege of growing up in a Christian home, not a perfect home. Sure, sure. Because we were growing and my dad was a veterinarian. And then we moved to Tennessee about two years later. And he started a vet practice here in Middle Tennessee, working on the Tennessee walking horses. Oh, wow. So awesome. I like to say I grew up in the barns of Tennessee, which is pretty. <laughs> yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that that's absolutely incredible. You know, um, folks in the recovery community coming out of recovery, because, you know, here on the show, folks hear me say this all the time. There's a recovery process. But with Jesus, he doesn't do anything halfway. You know, we in our, our deal, we we don't teach men once you're an addict, you're always an addict, because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, You've been born again, filled with the spirit of God. You're a new creation. So you're not even the same old person that you used to be. Right. And uh, but people hear testimonies of folks coming out of uh, these recovery situations, these horrible situations. and Oh, you have such a powerful testimony in this, that and the third. But for guys like me um, who come out of that lifestyle, um, which, by the way, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a good home. Both of my parents were good Christian people. And I just made decisions that that led me down that path. But, you know, people will say, oh, you have a powerful testimony. But guys like us who come out of that background, when we hear stories like yours, that's, you know, you got saved at nine years old and you have had the privilege and God has given you the grace to walk with him your entire life. Those testimonies to guys like us are just, we find them to be the most powerful. I heard a a pastor uh, who led me to the Lord. He said uh, that he used to feel, oh, I, because he grew up in church, you know, grew up like you, his dad he was a pastor. He said, uh, you know, I used to feel like I didn't have a, a testimony or whatever. And he said, the Lord spoke to him one day and he said, it took just as much grace for me to keep you from that as it did to save them from it. So I just, uh, I love your testimony, love that you walked with the Lord your whole life. And, and you see the the fruit of that now with your church and everything that y'all are getting to do and, and accomplish. So uh, just honor you, man. Thank you for your faithfulness over the many years of ministry. And uh, that's an awesome testimony with your parents and uh, uh, appreciate them as well, although I don't know them. Um, but uh, just want to jump into uh, our next little deal. You know, we uh, we we met um, several years back. Actually, and I, you probably don't remember this, but I came to one of your services with Angus Buckin was there. Yes. Yeah. And this was this. So this was before I had really given my life to Christ. And I'm going to share a testimony right now of uh, of just the drawing and the encounter of the Lord that, you know, happened at your church 
that I don't know that I've ever even opened up or told you about this uh, yet, but um, the Lord was trying, you know, the Bible says nobody can come to Jesus unless they're first drawn by the father. Right. Mm. And one, one morning I had been up all night using methamphetamines. I was, I was out there. I was a mess. My life was a mess. And I turn on my TV and I'm very emotional. Uh, my wife at the time had left, had left me and my son. And uh, I turn on the TV and there you are. And you're talking about Angus Bucket being at your church that Sunday. It's like six o'clock in the morning. I'd been up all night. I was an absolute mess. Um, and I remember turning on that TV and seeing that and something's I get, you know, it's Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit's what he said, you need to be there and you need to go. And I showed up sleepless, been up for a while on drugs. And this was the first time in my life that I had felt the Holy Spirit very, very strongly. Um, it was when he had played that video, he played the video. I'm sure you recall this. He does this a lot when he goes, but when he was in Africa at the crusade that he puts on and his Bible blew across the, the stage there and he played that video, man. And I was the first one on that stage at his altar call. Um, and you know, I, I, I felt the Holy spirit for the first time in my life at your church, actually. And uh, with Angus Buckin being there and um, it was just a, a crazy, crazy thing. But the the other time. So I would gotten saved. I went through Teen Challenge after that. This was a little bit after that. I went through Teen Challenge and got saved. And um, then I come home and started my own program in 2018, which our listeners know, be the Bush Recovery Ministries. We go by BTB. And I come to one of your services on a Saturday with some friends that come down to our coffee shop and they're part of your church. And I wound up giving you a card uh, that day that I had met you um, then. And then you called me the day after uh, Christmas in 2019 about a good family friend of yours. And, um, you know, uh, that's how me and you kind of got reconnected. Um, And so I'll say I said all that to kind of transition into this, you know, when it comes to uh, recovery in the church, you know, What's your status with that? You know, how do you approach it? Because I know, you know, you called called me that day with a close friend of yours, close family friend of yours, people that you care about, and you happen to have my card that day. And so when it comes to recovery in the church, what do you as a pastor uh, voice to our nation? Uh, you know, how, how do you see recovery in the church? How do we need to approach that as the church with people that are coming out of addiction? That's a good question, Caleb. You know, I think the short answer is the awkward truth that all of us are in recovery. We're all recovering from the impact of sin in our lives. The the church is not a hall of fame where we all show up with our trophies and tell our stories of how wonderful we are. Yeah. The church, in my imagination, is a triage unit. And Mm. we all limp in or help one another limp in. And we're in various stages of repair and recovery. Mm. And we need one another to do that. Yes. Now, you have a life story that gives you a particular expertise and awareness with a set of circumstances that is a valuable tool in the lives of men and women who are seeking to allow the, the blood of Jesus Christ to bring transformation to them. But no one of us has all the answers or has an experience portfolio that's so complete. We need one another. Right. 
Right. And that's where I think the beauty of the body of Christ comes in and where the notion of the church with a capital C and not just a local congregation. Mm. No one of us is omnicompetent and can do everything. We need one another. But most of all, we need to hold out the message that the church is a place for broken people. And it's, it's not a place where we have to hide our weaknesses and our frailties and our shortcomings and our sins. It's a place where we can come and be cleansed and set free and delivered and make choices to put us on a path where the power of God writes a new future for us. So that makes it a privilege to stand together. Yes. Yeah, I love what you said there about all of us uh, being in some sort of level of recovery. We're recovering from sin. I love the way that you worded that there. You know, uh, so easy in the church for some people sometimes to get to the point of, well, I've been serving God 20, 30, 40 years now. Am I, am I really recovering from something? But, you know, at the same time, we are all facing things in our lives every single day. And we're going to have to make conscious decisions every day that we wake up that we're going to serve the Lord today. You know, I tell our students all the time, because there's so much structure in our program and there's this and there's that. And every single day, your day is laid out for you. Um, and we're doing things constantly and we're teaching them how to get in the word of God, how to study the word of God, how to make church attendance a regular thing, being connected. Like you talked about that too. We can't do this alone. We need to be transparent. We, we're all in that same triage wing, wing together, right? And we're, we're yeah. doing life together. But every, I tell our students this all the time. You have to make a conscious decision. Yes, you're in the program, but the real test is when you leave, right? You know, you're in a controlled environment right now. Things are great. Things are going good for you. You're being restored to your family. You know, things are happening. It's great. Um, but the real test is when you leave. And every day when you wake up, when your feet hit the ground, you have to decide, I'm serving Jesus today. That's true. I I'm going to serve God today. I'm not going to serve myself. I'm not going to do what Caleb wants to do today. We know what that produces in life when we just do our own thing and live our own way. So that whole the recovery concept of being a church-wide thing, that we are all recovering uh, from a, a, a lifestyle of sin or from sin itself, I find that to be uh, very, very powerful. You know, transitioning here just a little bit, but you you said something one time to me that struck a chord with me. And uh, it really meant a lot to me that you had said it because I know that because you said it, you believed it. And it was that you called our uh, our ministry and what we're doing here at BTB, you called it the tip of the spear. Um, and when you said that, you know, I believe what you were saying, which I won't speak for you, but I'll let you elaborate on it. But that's just one piece. When you talk about the tip of a spear, sure, it's it's an important part, just like uh, when it comes to talking about something like that. There's multiple pieces to a spear, but that's that's a piece of it. And it's an important piece of it. But um, can you kind of elaborate on that? You know what you thought or what you were meaning by that? And I believe you were talking about recovery ministries like mine, not just BTB. You talked about single it says capital C with the church, but recovery ministries like mine. What What did you mean by that when you said, you know? You're the tip of the spear. Well, you know, when I said it to you, I really was referencing you and what you're doing there because I think you're doing such a good job. Well, thank you. But, you know, in our particular relationship, the reality was I had a dear friend of mine that was in a desperate place and he needed a kind of support that the local congregation really isn't engineered to put in place. 
Mm-hmm. And I picked up the phone and called you and you were able to accept that um, opportunity. And I mean, that makes you, you know, you, who, in my imagination, whoever answers that call of desperation is right there at that tip of the spear. Amen. And, and for those men that you're interacting with, the ones that you're presenting an invitation to, uh, it's an opportunity to change their destiny. Yes. You're not inviting them just to be religious or be polite or even just to get clean. Right. You're inviting them to choose a pathway that's going to write a whole new future for them. Yes. And those are precious gifts. I looked at my friend that I, I was entrusting to you and I said, you know, don't fumble this opportunity. You need to squeeze all the juice out of this. And at the end of this program, you need to be willing to be a different man. And if you're not, I'm not going to send you down there. And so I am grateful for what you do and anybody that works in those recovery places and understands whether there's a process we put in place. But at the end of the day, it's the power of God that brings the change. Right. Otherwise, we just get caught on the treadmill of a process. Mm -hmm. And I think when you understand that as well as you do, you extend to those men and those women that you are are helping into this new pathway a whole new future. Mm. But that's what all of us find at the cross. You know, we're getting ready yeah. to celebrate Easter. Yeah. And the whole Easter story is we can have a different future because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's right. And I mean, you're you're particularly gathering those people that acknowledge an addiction, but there's a whole lot of people with addictions that won't acknowledge it. Yeah. And we need the power of the cross. We're addicted to pleasure and convenience, mm. and power, and a whole host of things that will keep us from the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yep. But I appreciate your willingness to acknowledge that sin and say there's a way out of it. That's a mm-hmm. bright light that draws people towards it. Amen. Amen. By the way, the individual that he has discussed, and I won't name drop him or anything, but he is still a staff member with us at the ministry. He has graduated. He is doing extremely well, and God is working and moving in his life. And, you know, what that that message that you told him on the way here was don't fumble this opportunity and leave that place. Change while you're there, but leave a changed man and continue to change. You know, there there's a saying that we as believers and Christians, we are all changed, yet still changing. Amen. You know, we're all changed, but we're yet still changing. And I just want to touch on what you shared, too, about the power of the gospel, you know. I tell guys on their first day there and they get to the program, like, don't expect the program to save you. Your mom, your dad can't save you. I can't save you. BTB can't save you. We're just a facilitator of what God can do if you just completely surrender to him, embrace the discipleship process, get filled with the Holy Ghost and power because you need the power of the Holy Ghost to overcome addictions Listen to Holy Spirit in your life. Um, let him be the GPS for your life. And that's what's going to save you. You know, uh, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to break any chain, any addiction, any struggle. Uh, and that goes for any individuals. You know, we, we've talked about on the show a lot, too, because we deal with addiction a lot. But addiction isn't just about drugs or alcohol. There are so many people that are addicted to so many different things. Um, and it takes the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus and the help of Holy Spirit to sustain the change um, that we need. And so that kind of brings me into my, you know, uh, next topic um, with the discipleship model. Um, you know, we kind of talked about that just a second ago in the discipleship model. And, uh, you know, you believe in the discipleship model. I know you do. And we've talked about that a little bit. We even talked about it a little bit before 
we came on and and you said this a second ago too that gets into the discipleship model of what i always say there's btb team challenge faith-based recovery centers we're not here to teach people how to be clean off of drugs i'm here to teach you how to be set free and that's the discipleship model so you know do you believe in the discipleship model is the question and why you know do you and why uh, and absolutely. I don't only I not only believe in the discipleship model, I'm a disciple. Yes. So Jesus said if anybody would be my disciple, he has to take up his cross and follow me every day. Yep. That is where life change begins, no matter what your story is. You know, if it's a substance issue, okay, but it could be sin from another right destructive place. And the pathway is the same for all of us. We're not looking to work a program or to join a group or to become a part of a congregation. We're looking to yield our lives to the Lordship of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm his disciple. I serve at his pleasure. Yes. And I will serve this congregation until he gives me another assignment, and then I'll happily go take that assignment. Right, right. And I I think what you're you're opening the men's hearts and minds to is yielding their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. If you want to stay on the throne, you can do that, but you'll be subject to all sorts of things. Yeah. Jesus is the only one I know that invites us to a life of freedom. And liberty and deliverance. And the good news is that invitation is open to anyone who will accept it. Yes. Regardless of their age, their race, their education, their IQ, their social status. Yeah. The ground at the the foot of the cross is level. Yeah. That's the good news that we have for the world. That's so incredible. So good, man. Yes. Yeah. We're all disciples. When you say yes to Jesus, you have become a disciple of Christ as long as you are willing to follow him. Uh, key root, root word of disciple is discipline. And, you know, that that takes that takes, uh, you know, structure and and learning um, how to be a disciplined individual to follow him. Jesus says this, right? You know, if you love me, you obey my commands. And what Jesus is saying there is, you know, you will be disciplined to obey the instruction of the Lord because this is for you. I wouldn't tell you to do it if you couldn't do it. Right. He never calls us to anything that we could not do. So thank you for that. You know, Pastor Allen, I just consider you to truly be a, uh, a blessing to the body of Christ, a great teacher, a great preacher of the gospel. You have been for many, many years. You have in your church and world outreach have made a profound impact on my home region. You know, I grew up uh, here in Manchester and Shelbyville in the lower middle Tennessee area. Murfreesboro's right smack dab in the middle of uh, our great state, the great state of Tennessee. And you've just made a profound impact on our surrounding area. And, uh, you know, so I'll bring on the fivefold ministry to talk about things. I'm a pastor now as well. We just church planted there in Shelbyville in my hometown. And um, and so I love bringing on pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and and apostles to talk about what they uh, feel is going on in the body of Christ. You know, what 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 can we as the body of Christ uh, do? Is there anything we can be doing better? Um, uh, where are we at? You know, where where do you believe that the church is at? Uh, and so do you mind to just maybe uh, share with us, share with our listeners um, today where you believe we are as the church or, or is there something that we could do better? What What could we be doing? Well, thank you, Caleb. And I, I appreciate what you do. You know, I, I'm, I'm very aware that we stand together. You know, we may be in a different community, but we stand under the Lordship of Jesus. Yes. And 
we serve at his pleasure. Every day is a gift. Yeah. But to answer your question directly, I'm concerned for the church, to be quite candid. Mm. I think 2020, with the introduction of COVID in spring of last year, I honestly think God began shaking his church. I think God's people were asleep. Mm. And sleep's a normal part of a life cycle and rhythm. It's not an evil place. But when you're asleep, you're unaware, you're unconcerned, and you're uninvolved. Mm. And I think for the most part, the church was unaware of what was happening in our culture, in our world. And we were certainly, for the most part, uninvolved. And I think it was displeasing to the Lord. Mm. We're called to be salt and light. And he began to awaken us, to shaken us, to shake yes. us. Mm-hmm. And I think to some extent, there's an awakening taking place. But I think a lot of us are still just hoping to get back to our routines that we knew pre-COVID. And I don't believe the objective is to go back to where we were. I think we have to come out of this season more aware and more alive. But I'm concerned there's still a lot of churches closed. There's a lot of people that are out of the habit of being in community with people. Yeah. You know, they're live streaming services or they're consuming content some way digitally. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we're the Bible says not to forsake the, the gathering together of ourselves. Right. And we need one another. We need the strength that we gain from one another. And so I'm praying for the church, particularly in this Easter season, mm. all over our nation, all around the world, God will awaken his people in a new way. Yeah. So that we will stand in the authority of Jesus in a more powerful way than the world's ever seen us before. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm in total, total agreement with you too. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost scares me sometimes when, when you hear people, especially in the body of Christ or in the church or, well, I just want us to get back to where we was. Well, I think that's part of the problem and maybe why God did the shaking, you know, why, why do we want to revert? We need to go forward. We need to learn from our mistakes and learn from our lessons. I've heard several people that, um, that I are mentors of mine that I look up to that have talked about folks that have left the church and have made it clear. They just stop expecting them back. I don't know if maybe, maybe that's a negative way to look at it, but it's like, you know, I think God did a shaking to see who was really serious about their relationship with the Lord and their walk with the Lord. And I'm a, I'm a very positive in person and I, I never try to be negative, uh, and, and I, I want those people to come back. I want the individual who's gotten out of the swing of things, of the gathering and, and, uh, and the assembling of the saints. They got to get back. They need to get back. Like you said, we need each other. We need community. And we need to be physically with each other um, uh, and, and stop consuming so much digitally. Not that it's a bad thing. Thank God for technology. Where would we have been if we didn't have it? during that season we would have been in a pickle there as well but at the same time uh you know things are 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 starting to 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 come back around and the availability of being able to gather together once again and lift up the name of jesus together uh is so so important i remember being at team challenge and uh we had it was a a compound facility 250 guys there at once and i'm gonna tell you what there was uh, there was nothing like being in that chapel service and hearing 250 men all at once singing praises to the Lord and worshiping Jesus. And it was a powerful thing. And it's just like that in our church services. Something powerful happens when we come together, we gather in his name. When that happens and we worship the Lord because the word says he inhabits the praises of his people, right? And so when he 
when we do that, he shows up and that's what we got to have. That's what we need. If we don't have him there with us, what are we really doing? So yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, real quick, one of our last questions, if you had, uh, you know, uh, one, one last message to preach on the face of the earth, this is, this is your last Sunday coming up to preach, you know, what, what would that message be to the church, to the body of Christ? Uh, what would you share with uh, God's bride? I think that's pretty easy. You know, I'm a simple guy. God is faithful and you can yeah. trust him. Come on. Somebody told me when I was a young man that God would be no man's debtor. And anything you entrust to the Lord, he will repay you many times over. And for mm -hmm. most of us, there's a tug of war in our hearts over whether or not we're going to yield to the Lord more fully or we're going to hold on to something that we want to maintain. Mm. And God is faithful. You can trust him. Whatever invitations he's put in front of you, whatever struggle you may have, if you'll choose the Lord and serve him with your whole heart, you will never regret what you yield to the Lordship of Jesus. Incredible, man. He is faithful and you can trust him. I don't Amen. normally do this, but I got to revert back one question because I accidentally skipped over. But it's something that I really want to talk to you about because I believe it's a powerful thing. And I believe the church needs to hear this uh, from you, but also, um, you know, just where we're at as a country, our nation, um, the things that we've walked through during COVID, uh, the things that we have faced. Um, uh, but you have developed uh, over the last, what, 30 years of ministry since 1980 uh, then, so or 40, 40 years of ministry, um, you know, you have developed a multicultural, multi-ethnic church, um, you know, spiritual church that loves the Lord, that loves people. And, you know, we as the body of Christ, every tribe, every tongue, every nation uh, will be surrounding that throne. And, you know, do you have any suggestions or any 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 way of doing things any knowledge revelation of of how to develop cultivate that uh type of church and ministry you know heck for us young church planners like myself you know what can we do to be conscious to be intentional of how to create and develop a multicultural multi-ethnic church it's my dream I, I want every tribe every tongue every nation under our building, worshiping, and praising the Lord together. Do you have anything on that? Uh, what I have just comes from my experience. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, the congregation I serve is in a southern community, and that is what that is. Okay. But you know, our commitment from the time it began until today is to treat each person that the Lord puts before us as if they're valuable in God's sight. Come on. And there, I can't say there was really ever an intent to make it a diverse place. But the people that God kept presenting to us was a diverse group of people. It's awesome. You know, brokenness isn't limited to the color of our skin or the school we graduated from or our bank balance. Mm -hmm. And if we'll treat each person that the Lord puts before us with dignity and integrity and genuinely care about them, then I think the community of people you serve reflects the community where you live. Yeah. And we've been very fortunate in that way. But um you know, when you live in the communities have small communities have long term memories. Mm. And so I'm conscious of that and trying to treat every person with dignity and respect. Mm. Um, it's not that complicated, but it takes diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it'd be, you, you know, like you said, you're a simple man earlier. And in a question like that, so many people would maybe even over overcomplicate it or come up with some sort of strategy of how that happened. And, you know, 
you just said a minute ago that, you know, if you could preach one last message, it'd be that you, God is faithful and you can trust him. And I tell you what I believe. And I, I heard Holy Spirit share to me as you shared what you just did about that question. It's this, it's that God could trust you with those individuals that you are going to treat them with integrity and dignity and treat every person on that same level and love them like Christ loved the church and love them like crazy and do what you could for them uh, as individuals. And I believe when you have a heart like that, when you have a ministry like that, the Lord knows that he can trust you with his people and he will allow uh, individuals to shepherd those, those people. So uh, commend you on that. I, I believe that the Lord knew that he could trust you, Pastor Allen. And um, I believe that's one reason why one answer. Um, Pastor Allen, this has been an incredible show today, an incredible time spent with you. Can you give our listeners um, ways that they can connect with you and your ministry? I know you have Allen Jackson Ministries and also World Outreach Church. So can you tell our listeners how they can connect with you? And then I want to pray us out real quick. That'd be awesome. Yes. There's a whole variety of radio and uh, TV broadcast stuff. They can just go to alanjackson.com or you just Google Pastor Alan Jackson and you, you'll you get a whole backlog of sermons and stuff. And there's some books and things we put together. Any of that stuff that's helpful, take awesome. advantage of it. But most of all, I just want to thank you for what you're doing, Caleb. You remind us every time that I, I hear you about the transforming power of God to change a life. That's yeah. the heart of the gospel. And we've both benefited from that. Yes. And don't you stop. Amen, brother. I I make a commitment to you and I've made a commitment to the Lord that I will not. And until I take my last breath, I will try to reach as many individuals with the gospel, whether it's through a church, a ministry. If God sends me to some small town with huts in Africa, I don't care where he sends me. I just want to tell people about Jesus, what he's done for me and that he's willing to heal and uh, save the individual who will simply just surrender their life to him and say yes to him. And I want to help in any way that I can. So thank you um, for, for being with us today, believing in me as a, as a young man, young individual, young pastor, uh, young director. i um, only been doing uh, the recovery ministry for the uh, going on three years now. We've opened Miriam House now, and God is, has just really blessed us. And we are we are so, so pleased and honored to get to serve the Lord. I want to pray with uh, with us and our listeners today as we close the show out, um, if that's all right. Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing on this uh, podcast show, Lord, and, and the individuals that are being reached, Lord God. I, I thank you for Pastor Alan Jackson and what you are doing in his ministry, in his church, and in his life, and what you've done. And for his faithfulness and your faithfulness, God, he, he wants to preach that has been preaching that. And that's, that's his message. You know, you are faithful God, and you can be trusted to the parent who might be listening to this show, who is dealing with their, with their children being wrapped up in addiction. God, I just pray that you would give them hope and peace, Lord Jesus, for the individual who might be listening to the show today, who's dealing with addiction, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you would speak to them by your Holy Spirit and know that there are people, there are individuals who are willing to help them. Individuals like Pastor Alan Jackson, individuals like myself and our recovery ministries, but most of all that you are there for them and are willing to help them. Lord, we lift up the body of Christ and your bride uh, right now. And we ask that you would purge her, Lord God, that you would remove anything that needs to be removed, remove 
idols, remove anything that is getting in the way of a relationship, an authentic relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask you to forgive us in the areas we failed you and wash us clean by the blood of your son, Jesus. We honor you, praise you, and give you all the glory in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. We hope to see you and can't wait to have you listen in next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.